0: Welcome to the Millionaire Way podcast with Sargam. The Energy Guru I help successful people connect with their inner abundance using principles of energy to unlock their true potential, helping them create massive success in their personal and professional life so that they can live their greatness. I firmly believe that abundance is a state of being and each one of us can tune to create a life of prosperity and happiness. Welcome to the show. So welcome Rajiv. Our guest for today is the author of the international best-selling book Lead or Bleed. He is a serial entrepreneur and currently runs three businesses, successful ventures, Quantum Leap, Dreamcraft Events, and Dreamcatcher Investments. He's considered Asia's leading business coach and has helped thousands of businesses to scale up their business. He believes entrepreneurs are the real heroes of any nation and he's extremely passionate about serving entrepreneurs. Ladies and gentlemen welcome Rajiv Talreja on the Millionaire Way podcast. Uh, I welcome you Rajiv.
1: Thank you so much Sargam. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Sounds like a pretty exciting show. So I'm looking forward to this podcast interview.
0: Thank you so much. So, um, Rajiv, how did you start your journey? Um, You know, as uh, like I've heard this story about your father saying, um, you know, that at the age of 30, you would probably become a millionaire with a debt of around 25 lakhs when you were 25 years old,
1: right? Yeah. So when I was 22, actually, I landed myself in a 25 lakh rupee debt. Uh, my journey as an entrepreneur started thanks to my dad, who did not give me an option. I had, an, uh, I had a career plan, which I call the ultimate Indian career plan for success, which was to graduate from college, get a job, work for two years in an MNC, then prepare for my uh, 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 MBA with some of the best B schools in the country and then go join some of the best B schools in the country learn from there, graduate from there and then get a job abroad and work abroad, earn in dollars, spend in rupees, come back to India at the age of 40 and start something of my own. So I had this proper uh, career plan in my head, which was set. I achieved the first milestone of getting a job straight out of campus with an MNC. Mm -hmm. I thought my dad would be proud of me. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: uh, my dad was an 8th standard dropout first-generation entrepreneur, retail business owner. And when I went in, uh, went into his retail store with my offer letter, thinking he will put the Vijay Tilak on my forehead and said, son, I'm proud of you. He actually tore that odd offer letter and he said uh, that uh, if they are willing to pay you this amount of money, it only means you're way more valuable than that. So you should not take up a job. You should start your own business. So um, I say I'm an entrepreneur by force, not by choice. Thanks to a phenomenally courageous father. Who kept that courage up even after uh, my journey in entrepreneurship was not very, very good right at the beginning? By the age of twenty-two, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I was in a debt. Um, and when I went into that debt, my dad looked at me and said, "Don't worry, at twenty-two, if you are uh, if you've lost money by thirty, you should be a millionaire." So I think uh, my dad's words qualify me to be here on this podcast today <laughs> on the Absolutely. millionaire. Day. Absolutely. So that's, that's, that's how I really started as an entrepreneur. Thanks to my dad.
0: And then how did you move on to your passion? Uh, you know, uh, like, okay, forced entrepreneur, but then how did you move on to this, you know, passionate uh, journey of becoming a coach to the most famous people and, you know, working, being a keynote speaker at some of the most prestigious events and doing what you do so passionately.
1: Well, I think uh, I, s- When my dad said you need to start your own business I looked at what are my capabilities and one of the things I'd done well for myself during my college days was along with a group of friends I'd built a youth organization where we used to do uh, transformational training and life skills training programs to other college students while we were college students ourselves so being on the stage training people um, or having one-to-one coaching conversations with students around career relationships emotions That always uh, captured my attention in terms of what I enjoyed doing. Mm -hmm. I pursued my study simultaneously in fields like neurolinguistic programming, understood coaching as a science. I did all of that. So when my dad said, you need to start something of your own, the, the first thing and the only thing I could think of was to set up a training and coaching company. And then the thought was, okay, I worked with college students while I was a college student. Now let me work with corporate professionals. Let me go to organizations and help them uh, create high performance teams, build a successful business. And I remember my dad asking me this question saying, when you go and teach and train, what will it do for the business of the company that you're working with?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I said, people will become more capable. He said, when people become more capable, are you going to guarantee that the results of the business will grow? And I thought that was a good guarantee to go after. So I started my journey, though I was like a 20-year-old starting a corporate training business. I started my journey by going to large organizations and saying, give me a team, give me a goal, and I will not just do a one-day, two-day, three-day motivational training program, for the lack Mm -hmm. of a better word. I will handhold your team, make sure they achieve the project deliverables, and uh, as a result of that, you can track the bottom line and top line impact of the work that I do. I started doing that. I saw some amazing success in the first one, one and a half years because I was personally executing all those training and coaching projects with these organizations. Uh, People used to ask me, what's your educational qualification? I used to say, I'm a BCom graduate. My biggest education qualification is that business runs in my blood. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I always looked at results in business from a very common sense point of view. I also used to joke with some of my clients saying that I get paid to teach common sense and get people to do what is the common sense thing to do. Because Common sense is commonly missing. So the first two years, uh, based on my personal skills, my understanding of human behavior, my business acumen, I was able to create a lot of results for the clients that I was coaching personally. But then I realized uh, that If this continues, then I will never be able to build an organization or a business. I probably have to settle with being a professional, an independent professional or a consultant or a coach Mm -hmm. who's good at what he does. So which was something I never wanted. I wanted to always build a company, an organization. So I started hiring trainers, saw they could not do the same thing that I was doing. So we pivoted into the traditional corporate training programs where we started handling training calendars for large corporate organizations. That was not a very well-paying business in India. Corporate training in India is one of the worst-paying professions. Uh, so I did that for a bit. Um, and I made the classic mistake that people make when they don't make money from their existing business. I started multiple businesses. Uh, and, you know, we, we get the kick of calling ourselves serial entrepreneurs. The <laughs> rea- reality of more serial entrepreneurs who have too many logos on their business card is that they don't have any logos as a customer. So I went into that trap of trying to build businesses simultaneously. I set up an outsourcing project management company to handle the back-end call center operations of a London-based bank in India as well as in Africa. I set up a recruitment business with no vision, but because I had a network of HR managers, <laughs> I thought, "chalo recruitment recruitment. Mm. So there was no vision in that business. And uh, my wife uh, was building an event management venture back then she was my girlfriend so she said you're good at marketing why don't we partner up and uh, I partnered up with her in a corporate event company uh, that we called Dreamcraft Events so I felt very good having four businesses but the reality was that uh, the bank the bank balance or the bank account didn't feel good at all The businesses were doing turnover. I was just turning over in my bed every day wondering, (laughs) when will I grow? When will I achieve that so-called pinnacle of success as an entrepreneur? So those were the initial years. And I think all of these experiences, these crazy steps, these irrational behaviors, what gets you to stumble upon what you are good at, what you're not good at, makes you realize where your strengths lie, where you do not have strengths, makes you identify your gaps. So I've always said that business is a journey and through this journey, I think the first 10 years, I would say were the years of disaster, was the years of suffering. Uh, It was after 10 years when I started evaluating myself as an entrepreneur, uh, really giving myself a strong report card that if I'm not getting the results that I desire, I just can't be kind to myself saying, Nasib mein nahi hai, luck is bad, someday it will happen. I really need to evaluate my capabilities, my strategies, my systems. When I started bringing that kind of an approach of personal accountability to myself, I started learning. I started uh, understanding different facets of business. And I started structuring my own businesses. And yeah, that's how the journey unfolded.
0: Wonderful! I'm sure so many of us can relate with this journey of you know launching multiple ventures and then turning over in the bed thinking you know the turnover is good. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. So then you um, you know wrote a book. Yeah. Lead or bleed, and it became it is now you know a best selling book in the world. Yep. So how did you you know uh, end up writing a book? with with all this happening in your life?
1: So, uh, again, I think it was December 2012 when I shut down my recruitment business and mm-hmm. I shut down my outsourcing project management company. I shut the outsourcing project management company down because we did not take the right steps to safeguard our interests in terms of payments through our partners in London. So I made the classic mistake of trusting people blindly kind of an attitude in business and ended up losing a lot of money in the process I in fact went into a 70 lakh loss and a 45 lakh rupee debt mm. um, and at the same time because you know when you lose money you also lose confidence I thought to myself you know what this recruitment business is going nowhere I'm just another recruitment company amongst 10,000 other recruitment consultants in the city of Bangalore there's no differentiator there's no vision uh, there's no perspective of why we are different and what we want to accomplish in this space. It's just like an opportunistic uh, decision we took. recruitment. So I shut the recruitment business also down. So I was left with my training and consulting business, Quantum Leap, and I was left with my event management company, Dreamcraft Events. And um, when I lost that amount of money and when I was in this trap of debt, for the next two years I wasted my life. Uh, 2012 to 2014. I went all over the place trying to explore get-rich-quick methods and opportunities. Someone would say, do real estate joint venture deals. <laughs> I would say, done. Next six months, I wouldn't go to office, tell my business partners, you guys manage this. I'll go back on real estate joint venture deal. I'll convince a landowner and a developer to come together. And in the commission itself, we'll get a few apartments allotted to ourselves and we'll repay all our debts. So I mean, the classic mistake that every normal dhandewala business owner makes when they lose money of becoming desperate, becoming opportunistic and borderlining greed at that point of time, really. And uh, after two years of trying copper wire scrap trading, I'm registered on India Mart as a copper Uh scrap trader, uh, exploring real real estate, uh, joint venture, deal brokerage. After two years of trying all of these things, one day I just stopped and I told myself, okay, Rajiv, where the hell are you going in life? I mean, it's eight years to you as an entrepreneur. You've had a track record of losing money twice. When I was 22, 25 lakh debt. When I was 26, 70 lakh loss and a 45 lakh debt. I'm like, my dad's vision of me becoming a millionaire is definitely not coming
0: true.
1: Probably I'll strike a millionaire by having a million dollar debt. Eventually is what I thought to myself. And then I said, okay, stop. You need to learn. So the question was, where do I learn from? I'm not a big believer of postgraduate education in India uh, because they sell you swimming pools in their college and a Bangkok education tour. And I thought there's no way I'm going and joining an MBA college right now and telling myself, let me go do a post-graduation. So I said, I want to learn from people who've built successful businesses. So that's where I came up with the idea of authoring a book where I would interview CEOs, business leaders, entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands in the country went around for 16 months where I interviewed people like Kiran Mazumdashar who's built Biocon, Ashok Suta who's built Mindtree and Happiest Mind Technologies, C.K. Kumaravel who's built Natural Salon and Spa. So I interviewed 300 business leaders from across sectors, from across backgrounds because I wanted to understand the pattern. Right. You know, Brian Tracy says this, Success has a pattern. You do what successful people do, you get what successful people have. So I wanted to understand what's the pattern here of building a scalable, profitable, successful business. Now those 300 interviews were almost like being in a guru cool with some of the best uh, teachers who've been there and done that. Those interviews were an amazing learning experience. It revealed to me my gaps in my thinking, in my business acumen, in my knowledge as an entrepreneur.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and. Uh, the culmination of these 300 interviews became Lead of lead. I took some of the best principles I got out. I published Lead of Lead in Feb 2016 with the hope that family and friends will buy the book. None of my family and friends bought the book. They wanted it for free. I used to get calls saying, book likha hai, bhezde, de dunga." <laughs> and it used to piss me <laughs> off. But within two weeks of the book launch, something crazy happened. The book went on to become an Amazon number one bestseller in four different categories. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen. And this is where I realized that the universe is a very magical space. Because when you do something with the energy of desperation or greed, which I did from 2012 to 2014, no matter how talented, how intelligent you are, or no matter how lucrative the opportunity is, when the energy is of desperation, that energy creates repulsion. Whatever you want to happen does not happen. It runs away from you. But when you do something with the right intention, with the right reason, in the right direction, Mm -hmm. then the universe is such a kind place that it opens doors that you would have never, ever imagined. So if you would have told me Sargam in 2014 that Rajiv will be a best-selling author, you will be the only Indian speaker who will go globally and share the stage with people like Mary Buffett, Brian Tracy, Dr. John D. Martini, Gary Vaynerchuk, I would have laughed. My biggest goal in 2014 when I went uh, broke in 2012, my biggest goal at that point of time was if I can repay the debts and I can take back home 60,000 rupees a month, my will That was the mindset. So I didn't wake up one day with a vision or a mission to make a difference to this planet. I think the only thing that I've done well in my life is I've been a good student. I've surrendered to the teachings of my teachers, my masters, my mentors. And I have taken courageous steps based on what they've taught me. And as a result of being that student, the universe has just been kind to me with whatever I've been able to create from them.
0: Beautiful. And, you know, Rajiv, I think, like, you know, you get real with Rajiv. The real in you, you know, is something that resonates with so many of us. And probably this story, um, you know, your journey is an inspiration to so many of us who are, you know, looking up to you, and when you stand on the stage or, you know, when you were there with uh, Vishen Lakhiani and Gary Lee, you know, there was a sense of pride that each one of us had. So it's, it's actually been a phenomenal journey. Thank the you. other thing that I want to know is, you know, in your book, because you, you managed to, um, you know, interview s- such amazing people. What do you think is, is the energetic blueprint of, of these successful people or the success code, if we call it?
1: Oh, um. I would say one of the common perspectives that I gathered from all these entrepreneurs was that they, they have glaring gaps and weaknesses. They are not perfect people, uh, which, you know, sometimes it, it feels from the outside because you read about them in the media or you see stuff on social media and you think, inka these people are gifted people. One of the glaring gaps was all of them had glaring gaps all of them had dysfunctions in their personality, which actually relieved me quite a bit because it made me feel like, yeah, I've been running behind this myth called perfection where I feel I'm not good enough in this, I'm not good enough in that, I'm not good enough in this, which is actually like a constant personal assassination that most of us are carrying out on a day-to-day basis. And what I saw was all these people had very, very high self-love. Mm. Which means the, they knew they were not perfect. They were not blind, egoistic people. They knew they were not perfect. They, had an, they, were, they acknowledged the fact of, about their imperfections. They acknowledged it openly that these are my gaps, these are my challenges. And that level of self-awareness and still having self-love, that was one of my biggest learnings. And because of that self-love, they based building their businesses, creating their wealth on the conviction they had, on the strengths they had, that one strength, one capability was good enough for each one of them to build something so scalable that the country recognizes them as some of the biggest business leaders in the country. So what I learned the most in the entire process is that one common blueprint is self-love. Mm-hmm. Second is self-awareness. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And an effortless acknowledgement of it. Okay. It's not even like an egoistic cover-up of, I know I'm not good at this. Neither is it a helpless, victim-based acknowledgement of, oh, I know I suck. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very emotionally neutral acknowledgement of, yes, these are my gaps. I'm aware of it. I'm working on it. But I build my business based on these trends that I have. And I find people who have strengths that I don't have and I build teams and that's where I build scalable businesses. So self-love, self-awareness and the ability to identify people who can fill the gaps that they have, that's what helped them build a successful business. And that became a big, big belief statement for me that you know what, you got to find what, you got to find people who love doing and are good at doing things that you hate doing and you are pathetic at and when you do that you have the pieces of a puzzle coming together and that's when you create the picture perfect
0: beautifully said and probably you know those of us who who know about you we know that you you know you are a, a trinity coming together so probably your wife has attracted your tribe you know by living from that uh, larger knowing or consciousness so yeah that's that's beautiful Okay, Rajiv, what have been some of your own limiting stories, you know, in this journey? I'm sure, you know, there are times when, you know, we feel we are not good enough or this will or, you know, I'm not good at this. So what has been your limiting beliefs uh, in this journey and how have you overcome them and sustain so, it? I
1: would say uh, based on the first 10 years as an entrepreneur, one of my limitations was I was making decisions based on opportunity rather than capability. Which means Kahi opportunity, the to Guzgayam. That was the approach. and i I think this lesson is so deep for me that as a business owner today, the number of opportunities that come up, because you know you built a brand, now people know you, yeah. you're addressing thousands of people every second day on a webinar or doing a live event and all of that. so. For the number of opportunities that come, the big shift that I have seen in myself today is learning how to say no, not to people, but to myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because otherwise, you know, these opportunities can be tempting. So grounding my decisions on my capabilities. Will I be able to genuinely add value? Will I be able to create something that is different from what is already in the market? Uh, I think that is one shift that has happened. But otherwise, one of my glaring gaps was I was an opportunist. Mm -hmm. I would run behind opportunities. The other big, big, big challenge I had, and I'm, you know, this, the funny part is this challenge came into my own personal awareness after, say, I became successful in the way the world terms success. When I started making money, 2016, 2017, I repaid my debts, -hmm. I started building assets, for my family and for myself. I started growing financially. I started growing from a business point of view, from a brand point of view. But uh, that's when a a sense of hollowness started hitting. Um, Where, you know, I started thinking, okay, I'm doing stuff that nobody is doing in India, but now I need to go global. I need to understand what Tony Robbins did. I need Mm -hmm. to understand what T. Hawecker did. I need to understand what Robert Kiyosaki did. Um, And... It was not in my awareness that this actually was a trait, because of lack of self-love or because of uh, an underlying belief somewhere of "I'm not good enough."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I didn't see that in myself ever, but my mentor Sidra used to say this beautifully. She said, uh, "Your real problems start after you made all the money in the world." Uh, it's like till you made the money, you, uh, till you've not made the money, you think money is the biggest problem of your life. But wait until you make the money, then you start seeing the holes and gaps in your personality. And I, this became like, there's a borderline insecurity. I always wanted to know what the bigger guys are doing in the industry. And I remember this conversation in 2017, March, I went to the US, I was in a session with my mentor, Blair Singer. And Blair is, of course, a a master of masters. He works closely with Robert Kiyosaki, with T. Havikar, all these guys. And I said, Blair, this is a stage I'm at. In the last two years, I've been able to build this. I want to know from you, Blair, from here, where do I go? Tell me when How was at this stage in his life. What is Havikar doing? What is Robert Kiyosaki doing at this stage of his life? Blair just paused and he looked at me and said, why do you want to know? I said, I want to know because I want to be on the right direction. I want to have the right path. Like, what will that give you? I said, I don't want to waste the opportunity I've created for myself. I've reached this far. I want to take it globally. I, my biggest regret would be if I, if I don't take my skills to the world. So mm-hmm. I want to know what they did. So he's, he, he looked at me and he said, so you're looking for a reference point. And I'm like, yeah, I am looking for a reference point. And he just stayed silent and I don't know what happened. And tears started rolling down my eyes. And he said, Raji, what if you are the reference point?
0: Wow. Okay.
1: What if your journey is the reference point? What if there's no reference point and there's only one Rajiv and Rajiv's journey is going to be unique and the journey of Harvika is unique, Robert Kiyosaki is unique and everybody else that Rajiv will train and coach, their journeys will be unique. So stop trying to connect journeys. And I don't know what happened. It felt like a thousand kilos got taken off my shoulders. I felt so light after that. And when I started reflecting, I started realizing that somewhere, all of this sense of worry, insecurity, was coming from a residue Mm -hmm. left behind by my business failure in 2012. Mm -hmm. Though I had started making money, you know, somewhere the thought used to cross once in a while. What if all of this goes away? What if all of this falls apart? And I would say that I truly healed myself in 2017, when I made peace with the fact that, Rajiv, that was the past. The past does not mean it will be the future. So drop it. Let go. You've moved forward. Your capabilities have moved forward. Your energy has evolved. That was another lifetime altogether. And who said that we all have only one life. We live multiple lifetimes in one life. And that realization really set me free.
0: This was very profound, actually. You know, know, what is your reference? It's so profound and deep you know probably we all grow through this reference point syndrome sometime in our life absolutely and uh, yeah very beautifully put thank you for sharing that rajiv i'm sure you know the listeners and the viewers would would just relate with this one one line it's beautiful thank you very much thank you one question that you know um, some of my friends were asking do ask rajiv how does he keep up his energy you know so what do you do to stay in that you know, authentic, real, raw energy that Rajiv is all about. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you
1: some of the traits that people don't see. Because mm-hmm. you know what happens is the only thing people see is what they see on the stage, what they see uh, while I'm being interviewed like this or on social media when I do videos. What people don't see is uh, by nature, by personality, I'm an extreme introvert. Uh, most people find it very hard to believe. Uh, I have done a psychographic analysis doing MBTI <laughs> assessments and it's the same thing. I'm an extreme introvert. My wife always cra- keeps pulling my legs saying, stage 12 hours you talk, at home you hardly talk. And the only response I have to that is they pay me, that's why I talk. If you start paying me, I'll talk to you as well. But by nature, I'm an introvert. I'm socially extremely awkward. If you put me in a wine and cheese party, Uh, I will be a total misfit and I would want to run away and spend most of my time in isolation in the bathroom chamber. Uh, So I'm a social misfit. I am an introvert and I'm peaceful with that. So there's no self-judgment there because I know a lot of people uh, beat themselves up for having traits that according to them, they should not have. This is who I am. I've made peace with that. Where my energy comes from is from the fact that I give myself permission to sometimes have low energy days. Uh, I go into a downtime. I mean, uh, people see me three days, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. on stage, firing bullets like a machine gun with high energy. And they think that's the energy I carry default for the rest (laughs) of my life. And they expect themselves to carry that energy after the program. So I always tell them that, you know what, meet me on a Monday morning. A dead body will be more interactive than I will be. Uh, so my only thing to people is, I think energy is something that keeps moving. Yeah, uh, We can live in optimum energy when we hit that patch where we get clarity of self-awareness of what we love, what we are good at, what we don't like. Because in a situation and a scenario where you don't like to do stuff, anybody's energy goes down. And the most important thing is to be real with ourselves that, we are all human. We are not machines from a motivational program that will be high motivation and high energy all the time. Okay. Uh, and, and to acknowledge emotion is more powerful than motivation or even more powerful than transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give myself the permission to act like an idiot sometimes. Uh, I give myself permission to complain and whine about life sometimes. And that's me. I mean, so what? I'm not supposed to be a robot that has a key at the back and someone turns it 20 times and then energy on for 20 hours. I just enjoy doing what I do. And uh, one of the things that I, I have based my uh, method of teaching is to be absolutely real, absolutely raw, not to be a cheerleader for people where I hold pom-poms for them and say, hum honge din, no matter how big an idiot you are. <laughs> so I like to tell people what I see as a coach I like to give people solutions beyond that. I like to challenge people. And I think that's what people appreciate because motivation to YouTube is pe free pe mil jata hai. Why would they want a coach if they want just motivation? You wake up in the morning, your family WhatsApp group is bombarded with motivational messages from your 60-year-old uncle who just learned how to use WhatsApp. So I'm, I'm not a believer of motivation. I'm a believer of um, giving people strategies, helping them improve their skills. And being a mirror as a coach with a lot of compassion, but with a lot of courage and clarity. I will never refrain myself from telling what I see because then I would be doing injustice to what I'm doing.
0: Absolutely. So these
1: are things that have gotten clear to me over a period of time. And that's why they come out with that level of conviction that people think, oh, wow, this guy's energy is amazing. But the reality is I have my down days, I have my off days, and I'm pretty comfortable with that as well. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. The other question is, how do you balance your life? You know, you are one person who believes in living an and life. And yeah. you have this beautiful journal. Yep. And probably, you know, all of us also have yep. Yep. to work with. So how do you, how do you balance, uh, you know, your material life, your relationships and your spiritual life as
1: well? So I'll tell you, when I, so for me, two things are very important. Entrepreneurship is very important to me. My life is an expression of entrepreneurship impacting other people's lives is very important to me. So training and coaching is very important to me. But through this journey, one of the things I've been very conscious to is to not give in to propaganda. What do I mean by propaganda? Sorry about that. So what do I mean by propaganda? i have not given myself the permission to just go with the flow and say what everybody else is saying. You know, if you read an entrepreneurship book, you read watch an entrepreneurship video, They will tell you it's about giving into your mission, having passion. It's okay for an entrepreneur to not pay himself or herself. Uh, It's a customer is king. I'm like, screw you. Customers are not king. Most customers bargain. Kings don't bargain, right? So for me, I have not given myself the permission to blindly follow propaganda. I have wanted to clarify my beliefs with my experiences and challenging my experiences by enhancing my skills and seeing what really works, what doesn't work. And one of the things that I realized very early on, okay, was that I love business, but my business is a part of my life. It is not my life. And I think this is where a lot of entrepreneurs get it wrong. They probably would hesitate even to say that my business is not my life because they'll judge themselves saying, Oh, which means I'm not a driven entrepreneur. I'm not a committed entrepreneur. I'm like, crap. If business was life, then you shouldn't have a home and you shouldn't have a family. You should be sleeping in your office as well. Why screw up somebody's life by getting married to them or having babies and depriving them of parental love? So for me, I'm very clear that business is one element in my life. It is not my life. For me, life and living a holistic life is about having clarity of what you want in your health, your physical health, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health. What do you want in your relationships, your most intimate relationships with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings, with your friends, relationships with, what do you want in those relationships? What do you want in your wealth in terms of your assets, your savings, your investments? What do you want in your business in terms of the growth of the brand, growth of the team, growth of the customer, growth of the profitability? What do you want for yourself in terms of recreation? What makes you happy? What is your your moment of unwinding and chilling? Is it travel? Is it shopping? Is it chilling and watching Netflix? Is it learning a, a, a musical instrument? Is it a hobby? Is it a sp- playing a sport? What do you want in to do in terms of contribution? How do you want to give back? You want to give back by giving money, giving time, giving ideas to social causes. And What do you want for your own spiritual growth and evolution? Do you want to deep your root yourself in re- religious rituals? Do you want to study multiple religions? Do you want to understand spirituality in the macro process? How are you evolving as a person? What experiences you're putting through? So for me, these seven areas of health, wealth, relationships, business, spirituality, contribution, and recreation, having clarity of what you want is the start point of living a holistic life. Most people are not even clear. Most people don't even set goals in these seven areas for themselves, right? So the first step is clarity. And the notion for most people is your business itself takes so much time How will I be able to take care of these seven areas of my life? But the truth is this. The first step is clarity Mm -hmm. and balance of time is not eight hours of work, eight hours of sleeping, eight hours of family time. Balance is actually created by clarity where you understand not everything requires that much time. Absolutely. And as long as you have clarity of goals and you're having simple rituals to move in those direction, you are living a holistic life. Like, so for me, that as a concept is very very clear. Uh, this year has been a difficult year for me personally because I love traveling, and I can't travel. I have a goal of doing 150 countries. You have no idea how much time I spent on Instagram browsing travel bloggers' posts and looking at those wonderful icebergs in the Arctic Circle or or looking at the Northern Lights in 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 Finland. So. I know that that's one area of my life that is getting a compromise this year, but I'm okay. I know next year I will double my travel and see the world. So I think that clarity of having holistic life, having goals in that area and having the clarity that business is not my life, it's a part of my life, really helps me play the role that I am supposed to play towards myself, towards my family, towards my spouse. We don't have children yet, but yeah, whenever
0: that happens hopefully okay. towards them as well yeah yeah that's important now um you know we all know that uh recently you put up a post on uh you know guru Purnima, thanking um your mentors and we all know about there we know about your physical coach then there is sidra and uh, you know jmcks so how how did you um uh, you know meet sidra and uh, came to know about energy and the perspective of uh... i think my
1: awareness in energy started first with uh, the teachings of uh, Grand, uh, master chow kok okay. where uh, i i did a pranic healing basic practitioner program i think around 2006 2007 i did a basic practitioner program
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And um, I learned pranic healing. I understood there's a world of energy. There's energy is real and mm-hmm. all of that. I just did a basic practitioner program and I, I put a pause at it then. It was again in 2012 when I was going through my financial crisis. You know, the beauty about losing money is that it humbles all your egos. You start remembering every God. I became the most secular person in the country uh, there was a Thursday church candle, Friday, Dharga, Chadar, uh, Saturday, uh, sh- Shiva, Monday, uh, some God, Tuesday, Hanuman. I didn't leave any God. But in the process, also, it kind of made me look within and say, okay, what's missing? And because I had this awareness of energies and the work of energies and its impact on what you manifest, I went back to pranic healing. Uh, My wife Bhakti ended up doing every single pranic healing course that there is. She did the basic, She did advanced. She did arhatik. She did crystal healing. She did spiritual business management. I did spiritual business management and I did kriya shakti. I did these two. It really opened my eyes to the energy gaps that I was carrying. And um, so pranic healing became like the foundation of understanding energy. Mm. And then in uh, 2014... A friend of mine recommended that I go attend this five day event called Soul Spa by Sidra Jaffrey. Okay. My first question was, How much? She said, <laughs> One and a half lakhs. And I said, like Paise nahi hai? One and a half lakhs. Kharch hai tujhe. And I just left it at that. And I don't know what triggered me on the inside. I sent a message to another friend who I had spoken about Sidra earlier, and he was in the US. And I said, What do you think about Sidra's five day Soul Spa event? Next morning, I wake up. And he sent me a video on Facebook. He's made a video with the, the Yoda from Star Wars. He's holding it in his hand and he says, Yoda says, <laughs> Sidra, you must do. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, do you guys get paid some kind of a commission for recommending her so strongly? And then this friend who initially recommended Sidra, her name was Meena. And uh, she invited my wife Bhakti for a tea get-together in the evening. And Bhakti and I were like, call but... They're calling you to sell you the course. Don't buy. Something happens. And it was sort of some acquaintance's house in an apartment. So Bhakti landed up late because she had another meeting. Then after Sidra had finished briefing with everyone, everybody was just networking and having tea together. So Bhakti landed up late. So our friend Meena said, Sidra, this is Bhakti. Bhakti, would you like to talk to Sidra? You can take her in the balcony and have a conversation for five minutes. So Bhakti went in and she just said, hi, Sidra. And Sidra smiled at her and said, uh, you and your family are going, going through a financial crisis. And Bhakti is thinking, uh, Meena would have told her, everybody knows you're going through a financial crisis. etc. like, your uh, mother-in-law is 5 feet 2 inches, your father-in-law is 5 feet 4 inches, both of them are a little heavy side. Bhakti is like, okay, this is you're reading. Kar rahi hai then she started saying that your husband's uh, father lost a lot of money recently. And my dad also went through a financial crisis at the same time that I did. He went into us a 3.5 crore loss and a 1.25 crore debt. And so, father and son today, together in a debt, not a good time in life. So, Bhakti was like, your father-in-law is going through a financial... Bhakti was like, yeah. She said, your father-in-law is 52 years old. And my dad is 1960 born. And this was in 2012 uh, that uh, he went through a loss. So, she said, at the age of 52, he went through a loss. So Bhakti is like, yeah, last year he was 52. He said he has seven brothers. All his brothers made a lot of money. He's the youngest. And all the brothers lost their money at the age of 52. Mm. And like, Okay, firstly, she's, she's like, I don't know the dates of my uncle's, uh, my husband's uncle's birthdays <laughs> and the date when they lost money, but I can track that back. But came back home catching up at night and she was like crazy woman. She was trying to do some mind reading. I have no idea what she was up to. Uh, but this is what she said. I got curious, I called all my cousins and I asked them the birthdays of my uncles and asked them the year they all lost the money and not a word of a lie, every single uncle of mine, including my dad, lost their money at the age of 52, which was a pattern that none of us connected, saw or even viewed from. And I was like, okay, this woman is special. This is not some ordinary trainer, coach, healer. This woman is special. And uh, I immediately registered. The program was, this happened on a Monday night, Wednesday night, her five-day event was starting called Soul Spa. I immediately registered for the Soul Spa program along with Bhakti. Took a loan, okay, to pay three lakhs for two people. for a five-day program. And life shifted, energy shifted. And the the work of energy is so powerful and so magical. Did I used to say this, that you think you can live only one life in one lifetime? unless and until you don't enter the energy world, that's true for you. But the moment you enter the energy world, you can live a thousand life, lives in one lifetime. Because every time you shift your energy, you shift your lifetime. And my energy shifted. I attended the Friday event. There was a lull for a year. Didn't really stay connected with Sidra. I should just do the healings and the prayers and the rituals that she had given me. Things had started moving. I was definitely seeing changes. This happened in 2014. When I attended the soul spa, 2015, December, I was stuck in the floods in Chennai in a hotel room, which had lost electricity. There was no internet connection, nothing. I was in the floods and I was supposed to fly to Thailand to attend a program for which I had taken a 7.5 lakh loan. Mm. And it was a five day program. And I was killing myself for going to Chennai for a short program and then taking a flight from Chennai to, uh, to Thailand. And I, again, people may think this guy's a lunatic. But this is the truth and I'm sharing this for the first time because this is an energy podcast and people who listen to this understand the work of energy. When I'm sitting in my hotel room, knowing that the Chennai airport is flooded and the planes are floating like there are boats mm-hmm. and there was no chance that I was going to get out and take my flight in the next uh, uh, next night to Thailand, I get a message on Skype without any internet connection. Wow. And that message was from Sidra. And she said, the spirit has chosen you, you are going. I didn't know what that meant. But the next thing I know is that night, 2 a.m., I got out and I had a friend come, drive me to his clinic. I slept in his clinic that night. The next morning, woke up. People are saying, you can't cross. There's a bridge where the water is overflowing beyond 20 feet height. You can't go through it. And we decided to take an Innova car, drive to Bangalore and take the night flight from Thailand. And when we went to that spot where supposedly water was flowing at 20 feet height it was dry like summer and we drove past Uh came to came to the bangalore airport took an immediate ticket flew to thailand missed the first half day of the program because i reached late i didn't understand what sidra meant by spirit has chosen you no communication no conversation april 2016 i'm doing my first ever business space program and she sends a message saying Finally, you're doing what you were meant to do, what you were born to do. Everything you've gone through till today was for this day, so that you can teach other entrepreneurs to live the life that they desire and to not go through the challenges you went through for the last 10 years. You have arrived. Wow. I just just took that message as a direction. I stopped all formats of corporate training, all formats of corporate engagement, and I made a decision that I will commit my life to working with small and medium entrepreneurs. So, crazy experiences i've never ever shared this on any platform but i share this today because this is a space which understands energy
0: Absolutely. So thank you for creating
1: this platform sargam
0: thank you rajiv this is this is a beautiful um, you yeah. share i i must say you know uh, like i i personally believe in miracles and you know and i've seen that happening in my life yeah. and when you spoke about sidra you know i started you know looking for her work um, you know her book then in the list of um, you know creating people for uh, or having people on my book she was also one of them and the day i got to know she she left for uh, you know she transitioned i was like probably you know she'll be available to more people now this way absolutely, absolutely. a gorgeous woman a gorgeous uh, human being uh, absolutely thank you for sharing uh, rajiv okay i think uh, we are already uh, you know like we have 10 minutes now yep. so one last question that i would want to ask you you know um, like you you are doing a lot of work for training you know coaches now um so what what is one thing that you would want to uh, you know tell the coaches who are getting into this extremely competitive uh, you know uh, industry and uh, more and more people are coming up and you, you know every day we see so many coaches coming up and talking about they are good at this they are good at that so what is the message that you want to give them who are, uh, you know, actually trading this path of being a coach or a trainer and how can they make it effective?
1: So, um, you know, it's a positive sign that so many people are getting into the work of people yeah. because our education system has ignored the most important areas of our life, which is our health, our wealth, our relationships, our emotions, our business, our uh, inner growth our spiritual growth so the education system clearly created this void and it's the fact that the number of trainers coaches healers knowledge givers is increasing is only an indication that the consciousness of the consciousness of the planet is changing and people are getting more aware that hey i need to work on these areas that the educate the traditional education system left out now so the opportunity is growing the industry is growing And I truly believe that only means that the responsibility on trainers, coaches, and healers is also growing. Now, with any growing opportunity also comes uh, a breed of people who just want to milk this opportunity, who probably don't understand the importance of the responsibility that they carry. Because when you're training, teaching, healing, or coaching someone, people are being vulnerable. People are trusting you. And they take your word as the truth and they make decisions in their life based on that. So the only piece of advice that I can give aspiring or people who are just entering the training and coaching industry recently is that remember that responsibility. And I'll tell you the other big trap that is available out there today with the growth of marketing, with the growth of digital marketing, is that anybody and everybody can market themselves pretty well, sell anything, a course, a coaching package, a healing session, but they may not have the depth and impact. So while I am a big believer in marketing, um, my business runs on social media. I put a lot of videos out there. I've built my brand. I also believe that the balance of marketing yourself with the balance of depth is very, very important. You need to have depth in the topic that you're teaching. And I know a bunch of marketing gurus out there who on day one are telling people to label themselves as uh, you are the number one coach, number one this, number one that. It's taken me 14 years to get where I have in this industry, probably represent India at multiple global platforms. I'm not saying it it should take everybody 14 years, but I truly believe that if you go in the right direction in two to three years, anybody can surpass what I have been able to create in the last 14 years. And if they really are serious about doing and uh, building their own brand, business reach, impact, influence, whatever, I think it starts with depth and the depth starts with doing one-to-one coaching. So mm-hmm. my advice to anybody who wants to get into this industry as a health, wealth, relationship, energy, spiritual, whatever coach, is don't sit and promote your courses or training programs. Most of those courses or training programs are concepts you've taken off from some other trainers and coaches or you've Google researched those concepts and uh, topics and you really find them interesting. If you really want to play long-term in this industry, start like the way everyone who's built a big brand in this industry started. They all started with doing one-to-one coaching sessions because there's no better way than uh, one-to-one coaching to practice your skills, to understand your customer's world, challenges, limitations, to craft customized solutions for your customer and discover for yourself what works, what does not work. And once you create success stories through one-to-one coaching with your customers, then You see what worked, what created that success, what made that difference. And you take what works and you put it into modules and develop your training programs or your webinars or your seminars. Start with one-to-one coaching. At least 200 to 300 people you should have coached on a one-to-one basis. And even if you have to do it for free, treat that as your investment. Because that's what will create depth. It gives you practice. It gives you visibility into the customer's world. It helps you create a difference. And on that track record, you build a a, a strong, successful training and coaching business. That would be my one tactical, action-oriented advice. But if you ask me for a macro advice, I would say, you don't have to be different. You have to be authentic and effective. Far too many people are like, how do I differentiate myself? How do I differentiate myself? I'm like, Pepsi and Cola have to fight that battle of differentiating themselves. You are not even a goalie soda on the (laughs) strength. So first have some fizz, just be effective and authentic. And that's good enough. That will differentiate you over a period of time. That is is really the way I look at the training and coaching
0: industry. Thank you so much, Rajiv. Um, If people want to reach out to you, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, now you are like accessible on Instagram with any, any particular channel that you would want the viewers to reach out to you if they have questions or is there anything coming up that they can sign up for? You know, you can just let us know.
1: I think Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. These are three places I'm all the time available. When people drop me a message and I respond instantaneously, they think it's my team responding. They say, is it really Rajiv Talreja? So on Instagram, I do a voice note saying, yes, this is Rajiv Talreja. And then they're just like, wow, you are replying. In my head, I'm thinking, what else do I have to do? I have nothing else to do. Business is growing without me. That's what I teach business owners. So I've built a business which is growing without me. and so I'm pretty available and accessible to have conversations with entrepreneurs. So... Just Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, any of these platforms. If people search for Rajiv Talreja and they just drop me a message, I respond within 48 hours. That's been my track record. So um, I'm happy to be available to entrepreneurs and and support them in any way that I can.
0: Yeah, and congratulations for your, I think, first online-based program that you've done. And you've done it in such an amazing way. I was seeing, you know, the technology thing that you've utilized. It's giving a kind of a 3D experience to your, uh, you know, participants. So yep. congratulations
1: for that. Yeah, that was something I was very apprehensive about the moment the lockdown happened. Like I'm used to doing live events with hundreds of people in the room, creating energy over there. But when live went out of the option, everybody adapted to webinar. I was doing webinars as well, but I was like, okay, you know what? I need to simulate an experience of a live event. So that's when i um, very, very blessed to have an amazing technical team in Dreamcraft events. And they said, if we have to create a live event experience virtually how would we do that and they developed some softwares and they've created this absolutely mind-blowing and immersive experience of a 3d virtual set where when we're doing the program for people sitting at home and office attending it it's like they are in an in a in a bank hall with a large stage so i think the credit goes to my team and i'm loving the experience because now we have the opportunity where people from cities where we used to not travel and go to events to come and attend so I think there's a blessing in every challenge. We don't see the blessing. And uh, I think, yeah, so I'm, I'm super glad for what my team has been able to build during these times.
0: Thank you so much, Raji, for this wonderful conversation. You've been inspiring so many of us and I'm sure you'd be inspiring many more through this podcast. And uh, thank you for uh, sharing some like, not so uh, known facts about yourself and your life. And uh, I'm really grateful
1: to you. So thank you so much for being there. Thank you, Sargam. Thank you for what you are creating. I think uh, uh, creating an environment where people can come and learn the science of energy and understand that energy is a science and it's not some kind of a, a magical thing that you do through just tantras and mantras. I think being able to create that is such a powerful service you are providing to humanity so more power to you sargam for what you're doing and uh, everybody who's in the energy space that you are in they're truly blessed to have you as a catalyst in that space so thank you so much for what you're doing sargam
0: thank you so much rajiv have a blessed day